now. Three, two, one, go! What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Cooldown Time. My name is Marco, and I'm your graphically outdated host. And joining me is the technical mess of the show, Pablo. Pablo, how's it going, man? It's going great. Uh, you know, cause for celebration. They finally caught the guy that killed Tupac. Uh, they got him. They got him. Man. Uh, it's exactly who they said it was 25 years ago. I know. I think he told on himself. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. He told on himself in some like D- DJ Vlad interview or something like that years ago. I think so. Yeah, and then everybody um, speculated because that there was that scuffle in the elevator that was his nephew, and then all of a sudden that happened. Everybody kind of knew, but you know, these cops are out here taking the credit. Yeah, we done. We did this. They made mm. a movie with Johnny Depp. <laughs> he played me. We are the <laughs> what uh, the people came here for today is yeah. Tupac Shakur discourse. <laughs> uh, of course, I mean, um, come on. I mean, you know, I, it's part of the culture now. You know, I personally, I want to make a, bro, a bold proclamation here, and I will probably now be hated by our our listeners. Tupac Shakur is garbage at rapping, but anyway, uh, I am glad mm, he got justice, mm, justice wow. for his death because yeah, you know, he, he he wasn't that bad that he needed to die now, you know. Uh, Damn, you know. But uh, wow, but yeah. I feel like you did kind of condone his murder in a weird way because to not have to listen to more of his music again. That's but that man, that's I mean, you know, that's tough. That's tough. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because we lost, you know, we lost a we lost a dog, uh, <laughs> but. We don't have to listen to this music no more. Uh, what is wrong with you, bro? What is wrong? Why? You gave me no heads up we were going to do this at all, man. I didn't uh, know what I was going to do. I was like, let me just wing it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go talk to my mother. Go, Dear mama. Um, mama! Anyways, uh, Tupac topics aside, we have a fantastic uh, episode lined up. But Pablo, this episode is not going to be for the faint at heart. We are... Uh, of course, a, a very unbiased podcast, and I think, I think we're going to be testing some of our listeners, particularly on the PlayStation side of the spectrum, uh, with some of our conversations around uh, what's been going on over at Sony. Um, so we'll be talking a lot about that, uh, as well as uh, getting into some reviews for all the best and bootiest games that came out um, in, in Q3 of this year uh plus a lot more to talk about as well so we might as well go ahead and get started man let's go ahead and jump into the first segment dedicated to the games that we've been playing since our listeners last heard from us that's called loadouts all systems nominal loadouts ready all right so we uh we have some new stuff to talk about this week pablo uh in particular we've got some some dlcs which is uh kind of rare for us to have on the docket um, to say the least, but uh, well, we, say, we have. I would say CDPR would push back on that and call theirs an expansion. Well, they've been very vocal about that. Every time somebody calls it a DLC, they're like, "You mean the expansion?" So, well, know. I'm I'm going to be pushing them a little bit with my <laughs> uh, with my commentary about oh, Phantom Liberty. No, because Phantom Liberty, uh, you know, well, it, it is the expansion there to the base game of Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Um. Are you done ad libbing? <laughs> All right, are you done? I just had to. Um, I just had to make sure that the, the cash. I had to cash the CDPR check of of you know of saying expansion on the podcast. All right, well you're cashing in my last nerve while you're at it. <laughs> 
All right. It's expansion to the base game. Listen to my voice, listeners. Uh, starring Idris Elba in a brand new area of Night City. Uh, Pablo, I, I don't know about you, but but coming into... Coming into Phantom Liberty, I had a lot of confidence in CDPR delivering a, a great experience. You know, given their pedigree, we all know kind of what they've accomplished with The Witcher, um, and you know, just the, the, overall, they've been very good with uh, add-on content in general. Uh, and so, you would think there, there's really no exception to that here. Um, I have gone ahead and finished Phantom Liberty, and I can say that. They've mostly delivered on that. Yeah. I think they've they've mostly lived up to their expectations, but I would also say that they have left a lot to be desired, uh, particularly from a gameplay and technical standpoint. Um, and feel free to jump in if you have yeah, any yeah, commentary yeah. as well, Pablo, because I know you're working your way through it too. Um, I think starting with the story, because I think that's kind of the big draw here, having another celebrity talent on board, the return of Keanu Reeves as Johnny Silverhand, and you know, just kind of what's going to happen with these new characters in the mix around them. Um, I do think that the writing and the new characters in this expansion are almost all very good. Um, Idris Elba's character, uh, Solomon Reed, I think is a, is a really unique character. I don't know if if there's anything innate to the character that makes me go, oh, nobody else could have played this character but Idris Elba. I, yeah. Much much in the same way that I feel about Keanu, but I think he did well. Yeah, I think that in any other hands, like if they would have cast a regular voice actor, I think people would have been like, oh, he's a little bland, a little one note. But because it is Idris, I think that they're giving him a little bit more grace in, in that sense. Because yeah. for me, I do think that Solomon Reed, while uh, Idris, Idris Elba does a great job in terms of his performance, I, I do think it is he's a little one note and and not mm. too interesting of a character especially when you look at cyberpunk the main game and so many of those standout characters uh he he, he plays it kind of straight here uh so it, it just he tends uh to to not really for me stand out outside of the fact that it's idris alba uh um, elba uh, sorry elba. elba uh sorry uh idris ilba uh um, okay uh right. performing uh the voice acting now i will say on the johnny silverhand and the, and the keanu reeves uh portion of it they did a lot of interesting things with like contextual stuff like when you, something happens and and he had uh he had a call out or, or said something earlier and it happens the way he says he'll just be in a corner smiling you know like mm-hmm. like i told you so smile which i don't really recall him doing much in the base game it feels like they, they put a little more flair into those little things like that and i i absolutely loved it or there's a there's a side mission i did where i did some drugs and he was like oh v like jesus like man what are you doing like it's stuff <laughs> like this where it's like it's yeah. it's you have that relationship now and i just i really like the little things that they added to, to the character making a great character all already great character that much better i think that he was actually the standout for me in fan yeah Liberty. i was gonna say yeah he stole the show uh in the base game and the expansion mm-hmm. in my opinion but you know hey i mean look it, it that's a pretty high benchmark to reach and i think that you know it, i liked a lot of the other characters around uh this expansion i think they all did a, a serviceable to good job songbird um, particularly I, yeah i like songbird as well uh she's a big piece of the puzzle in this uh, story for those of you who you know kind of curious about it um, I also think that the new location Dogtown um, has some interesting lore about kind of how it came to be a little bit um, I don't find the location itself particularly interesting although it does look aesthetically a little bit different yeah uh, a little bit more uh, cramped and and kind of um, 
I don't know, a different, uh, slightly Vegas-like vibe to it with some of the, the buildings that, that are there. Um, so I, it is a nice place to look at, and it does feel somewhat different. It just doesn't feel as cool as I hoped it would or as large um, either, but uh, yeah. I don't mind that either. Yeah, when you look at uh, like Blood and Wine, where uh, I think that the the expansion for Witcher Three Blood and Wine was called uh, Toussaint. Was it Toussaint? The, the Toussaint. Yeah, yeah I, I that particular that's a huge standout area for me. It's massive. It's huge. It's the palette is a little different in terms of the coloration of that area. So there's it definitely does stand out, but it kind of evokes the same things that uh, the other locations in Witcher Three evoked. And here, I just felt like it, it did feel exactly what it was, which is a corner of of of, of Night City doing its own thing and i kind of missed the the expand the, the the exploration of that world because after a while you're kind of going through the same areas uh often enough to where you know exactly where you're going it just yep. it, it's it's really cool looking i mean it definitely it definitely nailed the aesthetic that they're going for 100 however they they are requiring you to be in that area for an ex- extended period of time in which at, at, at that time it becomes a little bit like okay i've been here before it kind of loses its luster after a while yeah. Also, there's little things that they do where, um, you know, in certain parts of the, of, of Dogtown, you'll have uh, the person that runs it, um, like in a PA system. Yeah. Kurt but Hansen. every time you come there, they say the same exact thing yeah, yeah. over and over. Unless some major story beat happens, then they'll change it. But then you hear that one over and over mm-hmm. again. So little things like that can kind of break the immersion a little bit. So I was a slightly bit disappointed about that. Um, but speaking of disappointments, I think I've been the most hit and miss about the gameplay. Um, because while on one hand, I think the game does a really good job, particularly further into the expansion with introducing unique mission ideas to keep things fresh. Um, they do a lot of really neat stuff. Um, a little bit of some 007 Casino Royale vibes at at a certain point without getting into spoiler territory Mm -hmm. that I think is really cool. Um, but I think that uh, as unique as some of the missions are, uh, especially the last mission, what continuously drags this expansion down is the game's aging gameplay mechanics. Yeah. And in the last mission, I know you haven't gotten there yet. I won't spoil what happens, but there's a lot of, uh, fail states that happen very quickly and very easily. Weird. Uh, where you're going to keep dying and starting over dying and starting over because of circumstances that you'll you'll see when you get there so i was very frustrated with the last mission to be honest um enough to kind of feel like man i don't know why they thought this was a good idea because it is cool it is a cool thing in concept but it it loses its um uniqueness very quickly when you see how quick it is for you to die and how easy it is for that to happen and then of course i think it's it's um I'd be remiss not to mention that you know bugs, glitches, hard yeah. crashes. I mean, they're they're kind of back a little bit, man. Like I've had I had like three or four hard crashes on my oh, console. Wow. I've had you know certain location where you do the casino royale kind of mission. The whole party, no one had any glasses in their hands while they were drinking. Oh, <laughs> so or then in another case, one person had um, a, a alcohol bottle stuck to their hand for an entire dialogue sequence they weren't supposed to have like there's a lot of weird stuff like that that goes on now so unfortunately unfortunately those kinds of issues are back not as bad as they were when the game first launched all those years ago but like it's still it's still there yeah and it wouldn't be an issue really uh if for example it didn't happen so often uh it's like the death by a thousand cuts kind of thing where it's like it keeps happening like i literally had a four hour not a four hour it was like two almost a three hour chunk of the game where solomon reed had his gun in his hand where he wasn't Ugh. supposed to have it, and I'm, he's having this serious conversation with you, and uh, he has his, literally touching his face with his gun in his hand. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, completely took me out of it. It's like one of the Ugh. most, 
one of the most it's one of the most emotional moments or at least one of the moments where he's the most open about things and you're like oh really dude? i know what you mean yeah yeah and i'm yeah. like damn so uh but i will say this game starts off quick and fast and in it and i'm in it and i was like this is dope and then it kind of slows down and then the the thing he's marco's talking about the casino royale type inspired thing from that point on i think that that the the, the story does pick up i i haven't finished it because i'm working a lot of the side content i think a lot of the side content a lot like uh the the base game was um it's, it's really good it, it, it they they still do a good job in terms of like the the aesthetic of the world and, and the people in the world and and and, and how that carries over to to your character and i i like that they are still doing a lot of uh a lot of stuff with their side stuff especially the mr hand stuff um i won't spoil mm-hmm. exactly any of that but it, it's cool the things that they do with him in, in the game yeah. in specific uh but yeah, yeah. man uh I, I haven't really had any hard crashes but a lot of little bugs and glitches here and there that really uh, are amounting to be annoyances really because they yeah, do they're, happen they're very often nagging and, yeah 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 i mean overall i think i think phantom liberty is a it's a it's a great new piece to the game um but i think to me the same old cyberpunk jank kind of wore me out throughout too much of the experience towards the end um so i like it I don't know if I can love it uh, just based on the technical state that it's in right now and the fact that the gameplay is aging like milk. Yeah, um, it just it feels like his boots, uh, the, the uh, V's shoes weigh 900 pounds, and every time he walks, uh, it's literally like he's doom, doom, like either boom. that or he's just clumsy. It just feels clumsy. Yeah, at times, you know and what then, I mean. So and, yeah. and I think our play style, I think we we've done something similar where I focus on handguns and my uh, and my katana. So that requires a. Uh, uh, a lot of gameplay mechanics that actually don't work that well. Like I've done the dash mechanic. I, I've kind of upgraded that to the max because there's certain things about that that are really cool, but it's not that responsive and it doesn't, and the actual animation isn't clean. So it doesn't feel like you're zipping back and forth between these things and, and slicing people up. It feels literally like you, you run really quick into to the enemy's face and then you're like there and then you're like oh and then he does the slice or something it just <laughs> it feels really janky in that way and i you know and that sucks i think that cdpr has to figure something out with their gameplay because out of all when you look at all their projects uh, specifically coming from witcher 3 and on which you know they've only done two at that point but even with the expansion stuff their their gameplay always ages very quickly very yeah. very very quickly like witcher 3 is still in, in in a lot of aspects a stunner to look at the story is is unrivaled side missions unrivaled however it's kind of a pain in the ass to play uh oh, and and cyber yeah and cyberpunk is, is is getting there it's not quite completely terrible but when a game when a studio like bethesda is outclassing you in combat you got problems because because starfield mm-hmm. was 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 very fun to play in the combat and then when going felt into good. this Thir- even at 30 frames felt felt yeah. way better oh absolutely yeah, yeah. so it, it, it's it, it's not disappointing because that would that I, that would be disingenuous to me to call it that it's just i guess when when you have cdpr you have these great expectations that are put on them and i feel like they deliver to an extent but unfortunately in some aspects they do fall a little short and that kind of gets me to the point where i'm like i'm glad that they are moving on from from 2077 into into I agree. yeah into more witcher and more cyberpunk i hope because i think those franchises are 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 have a lot left in them uh and i'm excited i'm still excited for what cdpr does next but you know, I, I if this is the last we see of 2077, which by all intents and purposes it is, I think that's good. Yeah, it's about time. Yeah. It's about time, yeah. Um, 
Now, that wasn't the only um, expansion content that was played on our docket, because I also played and completed Resident Evil 4 Separate Ways, which is an expansion starring Ada Wong, as we see her side of the story that took place during the events of the base game with Leon Kennedy. Um, so, you know, at, at 10 bucks, this one was, for me... A no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, but on top of that, coming into it, I also heard a lot of good things about this DLC from friends of mine uh, who called it an essential must-play for anybody that enjoyed RE4 Remake. Um, and I have to fully agree with that um, as I rolled credits. I, I, I am so impressed with this DLC that I think it's the best piece of DLC that they've ever made for Resident Evil. Um, probably one of the best DLCs I've played in, in quite some time, if I'm being honest. Uh, and especially when it comes to bang for your buck, uh, it, it's a six hour experience at $10. I think you, there's full price games that cost that much that are not as good as this. Uh, so I think this has been an absolute pleasant surprise for me. Um, and I think starting with story, I really like what, um, the story reveals about Ada, uh, and Wesker, as far as what they're up to during Leon's mission to find Ashley in the base game. Uh, and I really like the spy vibe that is, you know, a part of the, of the story, too. It feels perfect for Ada's motives and Ada's kind of her swag, I guess. Uh, it, it works really well for her. And I think that extends into the gameplay, too. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's It's predominantly the same formula as the base game, but it's like, it's almost like what Lost Legacy is to Uncharted 4 in that it's um it's it's not as long but it has all the the best things that come from the base game just in a faster pace a little bit more streamlined it doesn't nothing overstays its welcome uh and they add in some new things to kind of spruce up uh combat and traversal and in her case that's the grapple hook um so she's able to kind of jump across um predetermined locations throughout um maps and stuff and also you can unlock uh abilities to use the grapple hook on those enemies that have the big shields you can throw the hook and pull the um pull their shield off of them do things like that you can do um, like if you stun them, and you want to like run up and do the melee hit. You can use the hook to like propel yourself forward Into, instead uh, yeah. of having to run up. So um, th- they play around with spacing in a really interesting way with with this uh, DLC through her, and I actually really enjoyed playing as her all all the way through. Um, it's also more challenging than the base game. It is, but um, not in a not in a like frustrating way. I think that they understand. Okay, you know you know what to do in this game. We're gonna we're gonna lift it up a tick here in terms of difficulty, give you a little bit more to work with um, because you're not, you're not getting your bearings at this point. Yeah. I, I, for $10, I also picked it up. I only played the first area. I kind of wanted to check it out because uh, I am definitely going to go back to it uh, because I've heard the yeah. same things you did. And I played through the first area. And then that first moment when you are uh, at the castle and then that one thing is out, like, you get a boss fight right away. You're like, what yep. the hell? I'm not ready for this. But yep. it, yeah, so they do a really good job with that in terms of ramping up the difficulty in a way where it still feels like uh, it feels like you, you never left that game because that RE4 exactly. remake is, is amazing. I, I can't wait to to get back to, to that as soon as I finish Phantom Liberty because I am excited for that for sure. I think you'll like seeing kind of what what she was doing yeah. while Leon was doing certain things. And you'll be, you'll kind of be interested to go, Oh, I didn't know that that's what happened. And that's why Leon did this. Like, Oh, you know, cause she was doing a lot more for Leon than what you saw on screen 
during the base game. So that was kind of an interesting thing to to see unfold yeah. a little bit. And I, and I like um, the 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 Luis getting a little more shine at least in the beginning there. Yeah, because uh, I like I love that character, and I think obviously just based on the story that already existed, I think you're a little underutilized in four yep. remake. So I'm I'm glad that especially in the beginning him dancing around like that I was like oh yeah this is yep. peak Resident Evil. It was I kind love of fire. I yeah, lie. yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah I think to that point you know kind of getting into presentation for a bit uh, I think it looks just as good as the base game in terms of visuals um I also like the the spy thriller kind of music that's overlaid through cutscenes. They don't normally do that a lot in Resident Evils, but because it's Ada and she's that spy kind of double agent sort of thing, she's like the ocelot of Resident Evil. That's a good they, comparison. Good comp. They play up, yeah, they play up the music a little bit for her in a way that makes everything feel really kind of sleek and cool. Uh, and you know, look, I'm just gonna say it. Contrary to what all the haters say, I still like Ada's voice acting. I, I know people don't like it, but I, I think there's something unique about her because she has a very detached personality because she's so focused on the mission. She she's uh, she's a very complex character. She cares about Leon, but she can't let herself care. Um, she has to keep up her her facade for Wesker at the same time. Uh, you can tell when she's kind of forcing a quip to kind of, you know, lighten, um, the, mood. lighten the mood a little bit. And, but but there's something definitely under the hood, so to speak, that's, I, that's unique about her that I think is the reason why she sounds so distant in well, a way. Well, I would say to add to that, I agree, but at least from the little that I heard from her in the game and now in the expansion, I think that my main issue with her voice acting has nothing to do with her. I, I want to know where she recorded her voice lines. It just feels like it wasn't in the same place that the like a COVID recording kind of. Yeah. A deal. Cause it, it, I think that it, it has to do something with the mixing. It, she sounds a little bit weird. And I don't, I think that people are conflating that quality with her voice acting. Cause I think that her voice yeah. acting definitely goes with what she's who as, as a character, who she's trying to be like, that's exactly who, how I know people like that who sound like that. I, I was going to yeah. say the same thing. I I've had friends that sound exactly like yeah. her. I'm like, it's, it's, it's a more natural voice uh, acting job yes. that I think people are used to in resident evil where everything's very sensationalized right, right, and right. campy. Yeah. Um, so I like that. She's very different. So yeah. I don't know uh, if, if, if loving aid is Wong, I don't want to be right. Okay. Um, I, so. now, I, now look, I, I do this show for free, but I cannot be subjected to this. This nonsense. Where you go? Why? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> let me be. Can I be me? You got to talk about Tupac. I can't make one joke. This is racist oh, man. Uh, against Polish people. Um, oh, anyway, man. anyway. Um, overall, overall, I had an absolute blast with this dude. I mean, this. I already thought highly of of the RE4 remake before this. Absolutely, um, this man. this kind of catapulted it up even higher, and it's made a lot of you know upcoming decisions on my top ten games of the year very difficult because the the quality of this is so undeniable um, that again I think it's a no brainer for anyone that loved the remake earlier this year, um, and it to me it all it does is bolster what's already a great experience. Mm. So yeah, well speaking of of games that make it difficult for us to rank our top 10 i'm still playing lies of p and i'll be quick here i this game is just kind of becoming for me one of my favorite souls like and i want to kind of say not only in that this game is pretty good from for a game that's not from from software i would say that this game kind of goes toe-to-toe with 
from software in some aspects i i I really think that obviously the formula was invented by from software and they've replicated it in in a an incredible way but i i think that that there's something about that i think there's something that you should give them flowers for because many 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 have tried and many have failed and i just think that the story that they have happening here the aesthetic of the world and and the gameplay part it, it, it it they do an excellent fucking job they really do and i would say i think that the 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 actual um areas even though the level design isn't like the best i do think that those areas in which that you're going you're going to are different enough from each other but connect in a really cool way i really love that i love the the um the boss fight i think they're they're really really hard but i think that they're 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 challenging but for me i like the whole obviously try and die and try again thing but i really like the fact that it, they, there's a lot going on in these boss fights where it, it, there's it's a little more complicated than, than even what from software has done in the past and I I appreciate them for that because they've taken the chance of of not only uh kind of Im- imitating what they've done but also putting their own spin to it and not holding any punches back so I I'm, I'm in love with this game like I am absolutely obsessed with this game I don't know if this game is going to drop below my top three even because it is just an experience that i'm having that i was not expecting i mean we made fun of this game i mean the the premise is still ridiculous when you think about it but while i'm in the game i don't even think about it, it, it makes total sense i'm so sold on it it's so cool now dude yeah. oh god i can't get enough of it, it, uh, it I, yeah yeah, I jump right back to it after finishing the DLCs uh, that I just talked about, and yeah, I'm I'm with you. I want to ask you though, because you're more of a you know Souls guy than me, um, and you've had more time. You've progressed further while I kind of detoured. In terms of difficulty, where do you think it stacks up with Souls, with from software Souls games? Not necessarily Elden Ring, because that's kind of a unique thing. Uh, but like the the more traditional Souls games, where do you think it kind of compares? Okay, so the thing is, is that Liza P is consistently hard with their boss fights. Uh, whereas Demon Souls is, they have some boss fights that are like holy shit hard, and then other boss fights that are just pretty pretty fucking easy. Um, here's the thing. Here's the, here's the problem with that question, Marco. Is that there's something about specific gameplay mechanics that click with some people. And sometimes they don't click with other people. Like, uh, for example, Dark Souls 3, I pretty much one-shot, like, I one-tried almost every boss in that game. And I know a lot of people who are even bigger Souls fans than me who struggled throughout that game. Mm. Uh, I know that Sekiro people said that the middle boss in Sekiro was incredibly hard. It wasn't for me. I, I it was hard, but I, I got through it pretty quickly. Um, I guess if I had to rank it personally for me, I think this game is harder than Sekiro. I think it's harder than Bloodborne. I think it's harder. I think that's where it lands. I, I think it's definitely harder than than Dark Souls Two, but I think it's one three lies of P. Like I think wow. that's that's where I'm at in terms of difficulty. But again, I don't hmm. I don't believe that that's a a, a concrete fact. I really think that there are certain builds that people make that really click with them, certain mechanics that you understand better, certain things in the way you play. All these games, I, they're very, very subjective in that way. Where I, 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 you look, what are the, what are the, I looked at lists, the top 10 most difficult bosses in Lives of P. I couldn't disagree more with half those lists because I, I, 
went I killed some of those bosses with ease and the other bosses that are ranked number 10 this guy's easy I'm fucking struggling with those guys it really <laughs> it really just depends on, on that thing there's no yeah. there's never a yes this is harder for a fact because it always seems to be like people talk about oh this is the hardest game by far I'm like nah I, I had a really easy time with that this is the hard game like no I had an easy time with that it, there's so many factors in that there's no right answer here because I, I, mm. I have a feeling that you're kind of because I'm I'm str- I'm playing a lot of this game and I'm kind of struggling through it and I I have a feeling that you're probably not struggling as much. No, no, and that's kind of I, I think you're kind of right with your overall philosophy because there's just certain aspects of the systems and mechanics in this game that I think resonate with me so much better mm-hmm. than from software's games that I wouldn't say that I'm not being challenged. It's just that I'm not being challenged to the point of of like yanking my hair out frustration oh, like and i, I can see Woo! i can see the path forward i just have to figure out i have to you know remember to utilize my items my my the throwable items that that you know stun them and inflict you know di- different elemental damage and stuff and i just got to remember to use what's at my disposal and i feel pretty good like i've 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 never really had a boss fight where i've gone past 10 attempts to to kill one um, and so I, I think, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm by no means a savant with this type of genre. I just think that there's something innate to this game's formula that I think speaks to me. Um, I, I still have the same criticisms as I, as I did, um, last episode. Um, you know, they are working on updates and patches to kind of balance some things, which is nice. The um, latest but, update is clutch boy. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it, it's, it, they're definitely aware of the things they can improve on. Um, I think some of the mechanics are probably there to stay, especially some of like the targeting stuff we were talking about last yeah, week. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I would even go as far as to say for me personally, I think this is, it's Elden Ring one and it's lies at P2 in terms of this genre. I would, I would, uh, you know, I, if anybody would have told me that this game would have been in the conversation, uh, it compared to those, I would think they're crazy. Even starting the game and playing through it and really liking it, even that kind of thing you said would be like, no way. But now that I'm literally in the last chapter, I can't recall the last time, besides Elden Ring, where I've enjoyed playing a game like this so much. Because it, for me, for my gold standard is Dark Souls 3. That's a game that I've beaten multiple times, and I love that game to pieces. And I have the same kind of feelings when I'm playing Lies of P that I had with that. And that is a huge compliment because... Again, like I've said, and people who are here in the show who, who, who love the the from software games or, or people who at least know about it, they know one thing is the image the imitate the imitations out there are usually pretty bad, right? Uh, and uh, seem to not understand what makes from software games good. This understands that, and then they took a chance with that Pinocchio bullshit, and it works. It's oh, so man. good. That might be what's carrying me a little bit too, like just the the, the world and and the puppet thing is it, for some reason it's Did just you see fascinating as shit to me. The portrait, the little, yeah, with the I nose. saw that. Oh, I saw man. that, dude. The, by the way, the loading screen in this game is the coolest shit ever. Yeah, now yeah. lying, now lying in the, in the <laughs> and then the nose is loading. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so fire. Anyways, yeah, yeah. yeah. this game is a, a a really strong recommend from both of us. Obviously, as you can probably tell, uh, again coming from a skeptic. Uh, well, both Two of us skeptics, skeptics of this yeah. game, but coming from a seasoned Souls vet in Pablo and somebody who's kind of a novice like me, yeah, I think this is one to check out. We'll talk about that more uh, later on in the episode when we get to our yeah. uh, review cast portion, but yeah, I'm interested Because I'm interested um, to see like uh, how Lords of the Fallen, which coming into the year, people pegged that one to be the the From Software uh, equivalent, and now it lies a P out. 
Oh, it's gonna fall. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna fall right out of uh, my purview because I don't care. I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I can't. I can't deal with that. <laughs> the first one didn't do anything for me. I don't think that's no. Nah, but any this one is this. This one is like the. It has. It, it's Lords of the Fallen by its name, but it's completely different. It, they're really trying to be uh, Dark Souls. I'm. I'm I'm open. I'm open to it, uh, it because Lies of P show me anything. If if you understand the formula and execute, you're gonna do you're gonna do really good work. So, I just have a feeling that uh, that it's not going to do that, but uh, we'll see. All right. Well, you got one more game you want to talk about, real quick? Oh yeah, yeah. So I've been playing uh, Cocoon, uh, which is the latest. Well, I won't say the latest from uh, from Dead Labs or was it Undead Labs because they didn't actually make this. This was no, actually it's, uh, Geometric Interactive is the new studio, I think, by the yeah the yeah. other guy. <laughs> yeah, the other uh, pair of people, but it's a puzzle exploration adventure game made by, like you said, the, uh, the Geometric Interactive people. Uh, it has all the sensibilities of like a limbo and inside, but looks and plays fairly differently. It's uh, all puzzle environments with some puzzle combat here and there, uh, but it's all based like on the uniqueness of its world. Like every puzzle you do, you carry around this like this uh, sphere. And in that sphere is a whole different world. And you go in and out of that sphere to actually uh, solve a puzzle two ways. Inside the sphere, you're, you're solving the environmental puzzle. Then you get an item and then you jump out of that sphere and then you get to unlock and progress further outside of the sphere. And so that's the mechanic going back and forth throughout that game. Uh, I think visually it's absolutely stunning. I, I love the way it looks. I, I think that the puzzles aren't like, at least not yet uh aren't like i'm not like breaking my my head or banging my head against the wall uh in terms of solving it i think it's really they're really easy they're really there to just kind of push the story along um it's just it's some of these games where like you don't really have a lot of expectations from it i think trailers don't do a really good job in terms of really telling you what the game is about or how it feels i i I really like this game i think it's beautiful i think that the puzzle stuff is really is really cool and the the little the story that's going on there in the background is interesting as well i i always like these kind of games i was disappointed by um what's the other game that came out that was a lot more like limbo side scrolling that we didn't like oh it came out last year yeah yeah uh i don't remember sorry yeah it's yeah. Gonna bu- yeah, yeah yeah it's gonna it's, bug you too but it, it wasn't was good though high expectations for that game that game was a bust so you know, I didn't really have too much going into it in terms of expectations for a cocoon, but it's it, it's really delivering in, in Somerville. ways. Somerville, Somerville, yeah, yeah. Uh, but this one, cocoon, is definitely delivering in in ways that I was not expecting, and I am going to keep playing it. It's only four hours long, at least last time I checked in terms of how long it was. I'm about halfway through that. It's a little surprise that I w- would have never really kind of uh, played if it wasn't for Game Pass. You know, once again, Game Pass comes in, drops something like this, and it's it's pretty hot fire. I mean, if it continues to to go along the way it is. I mean, my top 10 list of the year is going to be very difficult for me to narrow down because, you know, I thought certain games were going to be locks and some of those games have turned into disappointments. Other games are just kind of getting pushed out of the way by better games. Uh, So we're we're about to see, man. We're about to see. Hi-Fi Rush is hanging by a thread. It's like, please help me. You know, whatever. That is. <laughs> I, 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 but yeah, uh, it's, it's it's a dope ass little game. If you like these kind of puzzle games, uh, I'd highly recommend it. It's actually not really that much of a uh, time consumer, so I, I definitely uh, would recommend it for those who are looking for a unique experience in a unique world. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's getting great reviews too. It's at an eighty-eight on Open Critic. A lot of some perfect scores actually as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played it. I played it for about ten minutes. It's it's definitely not for me. I'm not yeah. a puzzle guy. This is very much a puzzle game. But I can see where a lot of the the genius of it is. It's yeah. just that it's I can't I can't relate. I can't grab onto that when I have you know Liza P that I'm working on and other other things that I you know that that are on my docket to play next uh, coming soon. So, oh, man, but yeah, it's, it's getting crazy out in the streets. It is. It is. But good news, uh, you know that another. Another pleasant surprise has kind of hit the streets in the gaming world, and uh, it's on Game Pass of all places. Uh, go figure. Um, but it is time to go ahead and transition into the next segment of the show, Pablo. That is the news segment that we call Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, Pablo. So we got to talk about it. Uh, so let's kind of let's kind of dive right in and let's unpack this thing, man. Um, Jim Ryan. Head of PlayStation and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment is stepping down in March of 2024 after 30 years with the company and four years in the CEO position. Uh, Sony Group Corporation President and Chief Operating Officer Hiroki Totoki will take on the interim CEO role starting April 1st, 2024. Uh, so... I think it's time for us to kind of sit back, Pablo. We've had we've had some time to think about this, process it. We got to do a damage assessment here about this news. We gotta we gotta talk about what this means for uh, you know the here and now of PlayStation and the future of PlayStation in terms of strategy, their direction, um, you know what they need to do next and what they don't need to do next, and those kind of things. So um, we're gonna kind of talk through four different topics of Jim Ryan's exit here uh, and, and kind of unpack this thing together. And I think we might, we might align in some places. We might kind of diverge in others should be an interesting conversation. Yeah. But um, I want to start with a, you know, a, a pretty big question that I think should set the tone for the rest of our conversation here. And that is this, what is Jim Ryan's legacy and how should he be remembered Pablo? Yeah. I, I struggle with this because, you know, I, at first it was kind of like, Oh shit. Like all these things running through my head in terms of what it could have been. But I think ultimately in terms of the legacy and how you should be remembered, I think as a shrewd businessman that did everything possible to keep the PlayStation on the top, he's leaving knowing that PlayStation has sold over 40 million units, even though it launched during global pandemic and had major supply shortages under Jim Ryan. We saw the likes of blue point games, firewalk studios, house mark. And even I, I, I Check this. He he took over, and then about six months later, Insomnia Games was bought, Bungie, and he has a fourteen percent stake in From Software Games. Like he really was, at the very least, whether he was the lead on this or integral to, uh, really bolstering the PlayStation library, uh, at least with these acquisitions. And you know he was that he was there. He was the lead when PlayStation Five released, and PlayStation Five is is the market leader. They are still, once he leaves and takes and, and retires uh, next year, he's going to be leaving the PlayStation at the top spot. You know, PlayStation 5 at the top spot, one of the best-selling consoles to date. So, I mean, I, I think in that sense, uh, sure, there might have been a rocky kind of last year there, but I think overall his legacy and how he should remember it, 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 it should be more in a positive light, at least for me. How about for you? Yeah, I think we're going to disagree a little bit here. Um, if if I had to describe Jim Ryan's legacy in three words, it would be 
a sloppy success. Um, and I guess, well, I guess that, you know, Jim Ryan's 30 year tenure is commendable on some levels. Um, I think Jim Ryan's four years of uh, anti-consumer leadership as CEO kind of proved to me that the best parts of PlayStation's past 30 years did not come from him. Uh, it came from the Sean Laydens, the Ken Kutaragis, the Jack Trentons, the Shuhei Yoshidas, the Kaz Harais, the Mark Cernies, the Adam Boys of the world that I think poured life and longevity, values and creativity into the brand, whereas Jim Ryan, though you know, not without his his successes, I think he largely stripped PlayStation of a lot of those pillars in favor of a very brute-forced form of corporate greed, um, which made money and which sold consoles, yes. But I think it was done in a very greasy way that left behind a very successful mess for his successor to clean up. You know, when we think about studio closures... 35% increases to all of the PS Plus memberships, a $2.1 billion games as service strategy during a time of peak saturation uh, with studios that, mind you, are not built for that, paywalling users for uh, high-quality customer care support, playing himself out of a better contract with Microsoft for the Activision Blizzard games and got a worse deal in the end. Uh, compromising exclusive relationships with Sega and Square Enix, and then, of course, like the floundering VR initiative with PSVR 2. I think there's a lot of very weird pieces to the puzzle here that he's not going to be around for to kind of see through. And PSVR um, 1. I, I and think even, was, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, both of them. Um, and so I think the other thing is that his legacy to me is also taking credit for the best parts of PlayStation. Um, you know, he came in at the tail end of the PS4's lifespan. And at that point, there were already a lot of pre-existing partnerships, a lot of architecture, a lot of first-party projects that were already greenlit, and, uh, you know, probably some acquisitions that were in the works that he never really greenlit or spearheaded himself, but kind of got the, the credit for because it happened kind of during his time. Um, and he also kind of spent a lot of his time lying routinely to the general public and regulators, whether it was the we believe in console generations thing or like we can't survive without Call of Duty, which was a bold faced lie, literally. So I think to me, I think Jim Ryan's legacy is one of claiming credit for the best things that PlayStation has achieved from other executives while absolving himself from cleaning up the messes that he made and the lies that he stuck to after he took over the job. Yeah. So I, my pushback on that is like, oh, and, and you're not really saying anything that's like uh, uh, wrong. I, I just think that it's a, a little unfair in my opinion to be like the good things he's not responsible for and the bad things he is responsible for kind of uh, mindset on that, because regardless of whether blue point games or even let's, let's, let's talk about insomnia games. Cause you know, that probably wasn't the worst for a while. Like it did happen under his tenure. And so I, I kind of, I'm, I'm curious because we, we will never know this answer is how much power does he actually have? And whether or not is he a, is anybody who takes over this position, the CEO of PlayStation, are they the, the do they have the final word or are they just carrying out orders but we can't really we don't know that so we have to kind of look at everything at face value but i i agree i think i think a lot of what you said was in the last year or so uh and and and, and you know 
that's it's had it wasn't good and so i i i agree with a lot of what you said i just feel like for me in terms of the all-around legacy of jim ryan i mean there there's there's a lot of good that he that at the very least that he it happened under him so i i kind of i guess i'm i'm reluctant to say that he was uh, a failure, though you never said that specifically. But uh, well, I, I guess to clarify, what I'm saying is that Jim Ryan is sort of shown in his time at C- as CEO that all he's really ever cared about is the bottom line, and yeah. maybe that's what every CEO ultimately has to care about the most. But there's a way to go about caring about the bottom line in a way that's that's more consumer friendly or that is more nuanced in a way where we can introduce something new to the community that will. We're going to take our time with the messaging, get this right so that you guys won't be offended or, or confused about what we're doing. But instead, during his tenure, it's like, we're hiking up prices. Yeah, this yeah. is going up. That's going up. This is going to cost you more. We're not going to have a showcase for, for two and a half years. We're not going yeah. to tell you what's up next. Like It, it was a lot of like n- non-answers. It just seemed like he was the kind of guy who just wants to be all about the numbers and not really be in front of people. Yeah, I, I get that. And I think for me, it's like, as as being like the head the ceo of playstation who currently is like the tastemaker in the industry like that's the sort of attitude that sony usually kind of takes when they have that so i guess he aligns with that in many ways and then with with the whole everybody else in terms of like specifically xbox uh which is the comp here they're reactionary they're reacting to the opposite of of what they're doing and they're they're losing in the 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 console front so you know from the from them and being at the bottom have they birthed game pass and, and a lot of these programs and things that they've done and a lot of the out facing uh the front facing stuff with with uh phil spencer and all that all that it feels just more like okay we got to do something different because we can't do the same thing playstation is doing because they are the market leader so but i agree though it, 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 we've always said this from day one the 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 the, the approach to to the to ceos and, and the top brass in playstation has always felt cold and clinical and very business-like even with nintendo there even though they have the similar kind of vibe because of where they come from in japan but uh you know i i do agree with that but i i, I don't know i just feel kind of for me i just it's hard for me to be like yeah he was he didn't do a good job or anything like that just because there were so many successes under him and he's leaving the company with them up you know it's 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 just hmm. hard for me like when if you leave in like uh like the the dan dan matrix dan or don i always fuck that up i i, I was screw that up all the time too. yeah I don't dan know. matrix so we'll just call <laughs> dan here of the world where he leaves w- with li- literally xbox and shambles uh that's when it's like yeah your, your legacy is is, is is it's is in the is in the shitter but with jim ryan leaving with 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 those acquisitions under his belt and and 40 million units sold and and leading uh you know in the current next gen market it just feels a little bit weird to be like, ah, oh, he wasn't that great. But yeah. well, I don't want to tip my hand too much later on. But I, I, I have a counterpoint to that, where I think that, um, I think the success of the PlayStation in terms of sales right now is not necessarily all. It's not necessarily the most important metric to think about. True. When we get to like the strategy and the vision of PlayStation, that's true. But, yeah. Um, we'll talk about that when we get to yeah. the next uh, couple of questions here. But the next one that we are going to talk about, though. Curious to know what you think about this. Um, 
there's been some scuttlebutt that this is, you know, kind of like his departure slash retirement is maybe a front that maybe um, there's something more suspicious going on. Maybe there was a force out. Maybe he's leaving because of some kind of internal strife with PlayStation. So I guess the question to you, Pablo, is do you think that there could be something suspicious about Jim Ryan's exit? Uh, why or why not? Yes and no. Uh, the, the diplomatic answer. I mean, Damn. it's. it's I'll, I'll, I'll give you more. I'll give you more. Specific, I'll give you a more like clear answer. I think it's always weird when a CEO abruptly leaves its their position. Usually, when a CEO is planning to retire, they are pretty upfront about that. And even though he's not retiring till till I think April of next year, March of next year, uh, it's still pretty abrupt. Usually, it's like, hey, you know, this is my last year. Here's my successor. Right now, Sony, for from what their own admission, they're kind of looking for their next uh, CEO of PlayStation so this definitely shows that it was an abrupt him abruptly leaving he says that it's because after 30 years of traveling specifically with the CEO position him living in, in England and then having to travel to California and out of like two weeks out of the month every month it it it, it it it, it it comes to a point where he's kind of drained. I, I tend to believe him. I tend to believe that that's a, a huge factor in there. But uh, I guess for me, I would say suspicious. I think the timing is weird, but I, I can't really bring myself to completely say that it's that suspicious. I mean, when you look at everything, you put it all together, uh, it, it, it just seems to me more or less that... He, I don't think he has another console launch in him. I don't think he's he feels as passionate about it anymore. And so I think it's time because right now, mid gen, it's when you start ramping up for PlayStation Six. And I think if that's going to happen, he's going to leave it to hands in which he feels that are, are in better hands at that point. Now, if reports later come out that the brass was mad and 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 and, and in terms of how he handled certain things, specifically the Xbox acquisition and and kind of putting the 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 FTC losing on his feet and, and them uh, kind of uh, blaming him or at least using him as a scapegoat. I know there's been reports out there by Jason Trier. There's a, there's an uncomfortable relationship with the, the first-party studios because of the focus on uh, games as service. If that all come out and that was the reason, I wouldn't be surprised. I just feel like right now I kind of almost take it at face value, almost like, okay, we're ramping up for PlayStation 6 and he's not, he, he's not in it for the long haul. So he, it was time for him to take his leave. What do you think? Um, I think this is suspicious. I do. Um, I think Jim Ryan, first of all, I think he's always had a proven track record of lying to the general public. And I think this is no exception. I think this is a very corporatized... It's almost templated in a way, you know, the travel thing. Oh, you know, family. And, you know, it, it's it's a very excusable answer that we've seen in many industries when CEOs step down or walk away. Um, because it's it's the easiest thing to say to get you know like a, a positive PR reaction. Oh, family time, thirty years. It's time for him to step down. Where where you know this when you really look at it, I think his excuse of bouncing between Europe and North America is sort of ridiculous because it's it's part of the job and his job has always been predicated on travel. So yeah. I mean, if you want to say, well, okay, well he's old now. I mean, sure, but then. I would have to wonder why he would take on the position of CEO in the first place if he can't handle what comes with it after four years of doing it. Not a very long time, right? So I think it is my belief that some form of internal strife did take place at Sony. Obviously, what the specifics are, I don't know. But I think what he's leaving before he he has 
he's leaving before he can be held accountable for the results of his vision. <laughs> That's true, though. You know, and yeah. and I think I think what's happening to me is for whatever reason, I think the Japan side of 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 Sony is essentially seizing back control uh, to kind of recalibrate PlayStation strategy. Um, you know, because why else would he? Why would he leave without a new successor already being determined, right? And you think about that part of it too, as far as the the Japan angle, because the easiest person you you would assume would take the position from him would be Herman Holst. He's right. right there. He's a gamer. He's he's about as close of a Phil Spencer esque person that they have to Phil Spencer as it gets, and he's not even getting the interim role. It's going to someone on the on the Japan side of the spectrum, which I think to me shows that not only are they not really sold on Jim Ryan anymore. I can see a future where they're so disenchanted with maybe this whole regime that maybe they're waiting to hire a CEO to kind of completely restructure um, the executive leadership of PlayStation into something very different. If they're not going to give it to Shuhei, if they're not going to give it to Herman Hulse, and they're already there, and they're probably already capable of, of taking the mantle, and they're not getting that, yeah. I think something th- there's probably something a lot deeper going on. But where- I would say... To, to counter that is like it, it, you 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 could be onto something, but then at that point I was like, why not give it to Shuhei? Because he is Japan, like you know, he is the 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 liaison between. That's literally his job well, between Japan and 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 that. He's like the connect. I guess that comes to down to what their strategy is going to be, which we'll talk about in a second. Because I Bring think maybe an, an argument can be made that they need new new blood entirely and just a fresh set of eyes instead of you know having too many people there but i don't uh, too many old people there um because gaming is evolving in a way that maybe some of these guys are aging out of who knows but i i think to me they want their fill yeah potentially um or someone that understands the mobile market better or someone who understands who has you know a closer tie to you know game development or has different philosophies we don't know but i think to me i think that leaving before they have a successor and and then having to live with some of the sins that are already set in stone by Jim Ryan and having to pivot away from some things like games of service to mitigate uncertainties and risk. It, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, and I think that the timing of this is not uh, just a coincidence. I think there me, is something here. Let me ask you a question. Maybe, maybe you have something on this later on, but I, I have, I'm curious because I, I, I already alluded to this, but how much, do you think Japan is is part of the game as service uh, leaning? Because that seems, I don't. yeah. You don't think they had anything to do with it? I don't. I don't think it. I, I don't think so. It Cause I don't know. Because buying a and that's a buying, guess. That that's a guess. Buying Bungie for like what four billion dollars? There's no way that there's no way Jim Ryan had the complete control of doing that. I, I don't know. We, so, I mean, I, they had. To, I mean, they, of course, they probably had to put trust in him to sign off on those types of yeah. things and give him the budget to make those those moves, but. I don't know if that's ever felt like a PlayStation-ass thing to do. I think those are things that feel like v- very much a Jim Ryan type of initiative. And I don't hate the decision to get you know Bungie by any means, but um, when, when you think about it from a standpoint of, oh, they were mainly meant to bolster the games of service strategy, then if they decide to pivot away from that, where does that leave Bungie moving forward? Well, we'll um, see what happens if, like... If it ends up being like uh, Pete Parsons, who's the CEO of Bungie, taking over, then we know exactly what they're doing next. You know. <laughs> well, also Bungie, interestingly enough, has a very favorable contract where they can they can in in a roundabout way they can leave PlayStation. Yeah, they're autonomous. 
They have yeah. their own board of directors. So, they have their yeah. own everything. Yeah. So I, I think seeing how the dominoes are going to fall over the next maybe year or so is going to be very fascinating. Because then I think we'll know if they stick to Jim Ryan's vision, I think we'll, we'll kind of maybe him retiring is a bit more believable because they still believe in his core vision. But if we see a lot of hard pivots or if we hear rumblings of them, even if they're not officially announced, if it's like a Schreier report. I think that'll tell you that, okay, it wasn't all peachy in, 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 in Sony's offices. Then. Right. Um, but we'll have to wait and see on that. But um, I, I think, you know, when we think about, when we think about PlayStation, we're already kind of flirting with the subject now. Looking at it from the PlayStation end of the spectrum, the Sony end of the spectrum, is Jim Ryan's exit, Pablo, a good thing or a bad thing for PlayStation? I think ultimately it's going to be a good thing um, because if they take, and I say they, I mean Japan and, 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 and PlayStation as a whole, if they take this to mean, okay, we done fucked up or we put too many, too many of our eggs into the game to service basket, the only thing that can come of that is the opposite. And I think that that's exactly what should happen. I'm not sure if it will happen, but I think ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, Jim Ryan, if Jim Ryan himself is, let's say that there's nothing nefarious happening. Let's say Jim Ryan wants to leave because he, he's tired and he's old and he's made enough money where he's, it's time for him to retire away in England and, and drink a pint of whatever the fuck he drinks. <laughs> Let's say that's the case. It's still a good thing because at that point he's re- he's 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 letting go of power because he's not passionate about it. While other CEOs will stay on long enough to be like, whatever, I'm getting paid good money. I don't give a fuck, you know. Like, so I think any way you see this, uh, I think that it's a good thing. I I don't see how this happens and it's like, oh no, PlayStation is ruined because it, <laughs> it's funny because when you look at at Twitter and social media. Everybody swore that PlayStation was on the right path and everything was was great. And then Jim Ryan is, is retiring and the PlayStation community celebrating. Like, hold on, I thought everything was fine. Like, how, how is it that your your guy is leaving and you guys are happy about it? So even the even the most staunch PlayStation fanboy is out here uh, kind of lying uh, lying on themselves and, and telling you that this is a this is for the good. So I I think that whatever plans are ahead. I think whether they stay on the game that service or not, I think that uh, at least this shows Sony's willingness, if they did push him out, willingness to, to kind of pivot if have to, to the point where even getting rid of the CEO, if that's what it came down to. So I think ultimately this is going to be a good thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of half agree, half, half disagree. And I, you know, I think at this point we're playing around with a lot of what if scenarios at this yeah, yeah, point. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of lean into one specific one uh, for my answer. Um, you know, in, in the corporate world, part of any good succession plan is to set your successors up for success. Yeah. And in the case of Jim Ryan's departure, um, it's a it's it's not quite that because he's leaving without ensuring that PlayStation has a clear and coherent vision. When you look at Nintendo, when you look at Nintendo. Their vision is clear. We are dominating the hybrid console market, hand over foot. When you look at Xbox, it's Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass. When you look at PlayStation, it's a whole bunch of what the fuck. It's, it's, it's a little of VR, and it's this PlayStation Portal thing, and it's a the lot of headphones posh. and accessories, and it's you know, a PS5 Pro, and also you know, a PS, you know, this PS5, and a whole bunch of new controllers. and It's a lot of weird incoherent stuff that doesn't really fit any one direct 
clear strategy for PlayStation. So when you think about his successor, whether the interim or the permanent replacement, stepping into his seat and sitting in front of all these things that are kind of barely working, VR, Portal, whatever, blah, 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 PS Plus, I think that puts them in a very bad position because um, the originator of the vision, what if you can call it that, isn't there to see it through. And the next CEO is going to probably spend the first couple years of his tenure, hopefully it's a long one, picking up the pieces from Jim Ryan's unclear strategy. Now, long term, I think it can be a good thing if they eventually deviate from Jim Ryan's vision and... Um, remodel PlayStation strategy to something new and different. Um, or if they just keep things as is and just do a better job of refining his vision without him there. But I think in the short term, I think it's going to be a very weird couple of years because as we've seen with Don Matrick and Xbox, there was a lag time of three, four years that he, you know, after he left where there were, they were still picking up the pieces from what he did wrong. Right. So, on the PlayStation side, again, I'm not saying that PlayStation's been doing terrible, like you said earlier, selling consoles out the ass, and you know, it's 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 the market leader. But the strategy is in a very very bad place because it's not clear and coherent. So, the, what's this CEO going to be stuck dealing with? Can yeah. he really can he really do his job, or he's is he going to be doing janitorial work for Jim Ryan's job? You know, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, I think that's that that definitely could be the. I think that's true, but I also think that. Well, let's get into the next question because I think that's yeah, kind of that. a good, perfect lead into this. Yeah, launch right into it. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and that and that last question is, simply put, do you think PlayStation software or hardware strategy will change now? In your opinion, what do you got? Well, Marco, you started off your last, uh, you know, responding to the previous question about how certain corporate dealings happen and how they work and. When you have billions and billions of dollars into something, for example, PlayStation and the games that service, you don't, you can't really pivot overnight. So I don't think that their strategy will change immediately. I think it will take some time. They have way too many projects in the works. They have way too many things out there, too much money already into this. So they're probably going to see a lot of the stuff that they have in currently working. We're probably going to see a lot of that still. It's kind of like when the president takes over, like usually two years into their presidency. That's you, a good you, comparison. Yeah, yeah. You see like, okay, two years later, even their first term, it's like their second term is really when they start to all their promises and things that they want to do. They really start trying. That, that's when you start seen the real change um there's just too much too many wheels spinning too, too many gears too many things happening right now to where th anybody could jump in here and be like all right let's reverse this overnight it's not gonna happen it, it just isn't like they're deep into into strategizing for uh playstation 6 if, if not already have uh of things in mind with their hardware their, the software bungie's purchase the whatever naughty dog is working on with with um uh with factions and all that stuff and 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 just there's too many they're, they're spending too many plates there's so much money on the line they they for all their successes sony as a whole is not close to what xbox and microsoft is in terms of what they have in the bank even nintendo and so they have to play this very carefully they can't just let billions and billions of dollars go down the drain just because they're going to pivot to something else will they pivot absolutely will it take some time 
Yes, it will take some time. I think that the PlayStation 4, 5 entire life cycle, we're going to see the ramifications, whether it works or it doesn't work, um, uh, of, of whatever the strategy that was implemented a couple of years ago. I think we're going to see that throughout the lifespan of the PS5. I think ultimately, just like Phil Spencer, when he took over, uh, when the, the Xbox Series X is when we started seeing, and the S is we're seeing the full vision come into fruition, I think we're going to have to wait till the PlayStation 6 to see any kind of picture it's actually take place unfortunately or fortunately look i i i i am not in in this world i don't what 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 is there to say that this game as service strategy in three or four years really works you know like in terms of like generating money in terms of making quality games like we've seen oversaturation of many many genres but there's always been one or two games that come out within those genres that really work and are really 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 good so it's not a complete crapshoot in terms of like whether it will or will not work i think that there's a lot there's a potential to it but in terms of what we want to see and the future of it yeah it'll take some time for the 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 pivot to happen so the strategy for now unfortunately guys i think we're going to see this kind of play out for a little while longer yeah i don't entirely disagree i think um i think that the strategy will be more of a refinement of what jim ryan was doing um i think we're going to see things that already exist in one form kind of um, be expanded or repurposed in a different way. So think about things like, all right, instead of instead of games coming to PC six months later or a year later, maybe they come out day one with uh, alongside PS5. Maybe VR is more repurposed to be a little bit more open source or compatible with other storefronts um, to get more use out of the hardware. Maybe uh, I don't know how they're going to make that work, but I'm just you know spitballing here. M- maybe like okay, maybe there'll still be games and service games, but maybe there'll be a little bit more like diet versions of games and service yeah. games, not as gratuitous, not as, as you know, out for your money in, in a way. Maybe more traditional battle pass, kind of like what they did with Gran Turismo 7. I mean, it was more, it was very approachable, you know, games and service style. Um, maybe they offer more incentives or rewards for PlayStation Plus. You know, it's already there. Maybe, I don't know if they're going to go as far as putting first party games out day one on the service. I still think that's not going to happen. But, but it could. I, I think they could be maybe a little bit more open to, hey, maybe we'll have a regiment now where a year later we'll put all of our games on. So you kind of know what you, you know what to expect if you right. want to wait it out and hold on to your subscription or if you want to you know, FOMO it, get it day one, you got the option. Um, I think those are the things that they can do that are not as dramatic of an overhaul. Um, Now, they might not do that. They might go extreme. They might completely go in a different direction. But I think the safest bet is to look for little wins like that. Um, And I think that, you know, the big elephant in the room to me is PS6. You know, what was Jim Ryan planning with that? Because as we all know, the hardware race is ongoing. Just because the PS5 has only been out for three years does not mean they haven't been thinking about PS6. That thing is well into its development, R&D, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So what he was planning there, I think, is going to be the real thing for them to figure out. Um, because was that going to be uh, another graphical powerhouse type of console? Are they still trying to play that game? Were they less interested in that um, because of how much that is increasing development budget for first party games? Like, there's a lot of different levers that they are probably playing with already. 
And now that he's gone, what's going to change with their console roadmap? So it, yeah. it's, it's going to be a very interesting time for them but in I would, the short term and long term, really. But I would say even if they go extreme, it'll still, it'll still take some time before we see any of that. Because these things are like, you're, you're like driving a bus. You just can't do a, 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 a three-point turn on that shit. It takes a long time, you know? So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I mean, you know, look, that's that's kind of all we can give right now with what little we know. I mean, a lot of this was very speculative, but, you know, I think I think I can probably be best described as somebody who's probably very glad that Jim Ryan's gone. And I, I don't look at his run as as successful as Pablo does. But, you know, uh, to Pablo's point, there's also a lot of wins that, um, you know, can't be denied from his run either. Uh, curious to know what all of you think as you've yeah. listened to this as well. But um, let's go ahead and move on, Pablo, to the next item on our hit points. What do you got for us? Marco, it looks like Knights of the Old Republic remake is in trouble. Last week, Sony took down the reveal trailer for from their YouTube channel and has also deleted tweets related to the KOTOR remake. Uh, the project, once led by Aspire Studio, has been in trouble for some time. Back in July 2022, it was reported that they showed uh, a demo, a proof of concept, and it did not meet certain standards, and Aspire was taken off that project. We all know that. And Saber Interactive stepped in to, quote, save the remake. However, Saber Interactive is a part of Embracer Group, uh, has encountered a very public financial financial issues, uh, which could have directly affected the uh, Old Republic remake. However, Sony recently stated that the reason for taking down the trailer and its tweets had to do something with licensing issues. But are we buying that? What do you think is the most likely of scenarios here, Marco? Um, man, I hate to be the, the PlayStation skeptic this episode, but I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. That's, I think it's a crock of shit. Yeah. Um, Doesn't make sense, I really. Mean, and even if it's true, the the extreme of deleting tweets related to the game That's, kind of undermines yeah. that completely. That's just yeah. silly juice. And, and and my thing is is like okay, so if you're actively making the uh, the the Kotor remake, why did your license? Why are your licenses expiring? Like why are our licensing issues? Especially if you are you, you yeah. are making this game. And then obviously some of the tweets had nothing to do with the trailer itself, just kind of announcing it. So like it's super weird that they did this. I I do think that uh, I think being that uh, um, I blanked out there. Oh, being that um, Embracer Group has yeah. had these financial issues. I think that Sony's kind of pretty much telling us we're just going to go ahead and pull out of this deal completely because I think if I'm not mistaken Sony was like financially mo- motivated or they were in it with with the remake they were helping to a certain extent I think was the yeah was not the sure rumor. how much but I, that, I thought that's what I heard too yeah yeah so I, I'm thinking I'm thinking that Sony's completely kind of stepping back from it and without Sony I think that unfortunately for now we're never going to see a Knights of the Old Republic remake maybe down the line maybe down the line maybe you know somebody will pick it up and do something we crazier things have happened mm-hmm. but it does seem like this just kind of puts the nail in that final coffin of the Quarto remake which come on man this needs to happen man it de- it definitely does need to happen Yeah I mean I think I think this what this says to me is um it might still happen, but let's just pretend it doesn't exist, and we'll re-reveal right. it if, it if if it ever does come to light again. Um, which is, you know, look, I mean, I, I, I love KOTOR. It's like number six in my favorite games of all time. Um, so, you know, I, of course I was looking forward to this, but I, I would rather them not do this if it was going to come out like crap. So, um, and, you know, honestly... Backwards compatibility on Xbox or even on PC uh, with you know the the original game it's more than fine as is yeah, if you're that curious about it 
so yeah, I mean, it's 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 not a huge devastating blow to me. It's not like Kotor is stranded and you can, right. there's no way to access it. You know what and I mean? Then, and some of the rumors about the remake was that it was they were completely redoing the combat system to be more action heavy. So I don't know. A lot of people were kind of like not into that because they kind of wanted it to be just a remake of Kotor in every sense of the way, but. You know, they didn't want that. So maybe we'll, we'll get something a little more true to what the original Kotor was. But uh, maybe uh, maybe Phil Spencer can swoop in there and uh, throw some money at it. <laughs> he, well, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's glad he didn't at this point. No, um, yeah, for sure. I, I'm interested to see what happens with Embracer because they own uh, some of the most incredible IP out there. And, I think they uh, should sell it all. Just fire yeah. sale it all. Get, uh, get rid of great. it. That'd be you awesome. don't know what to do with it. Yeah, we'll take it all. Pablo buy it. Yeah, um, we'll take. We'll, he'll just buy Deus Ex and he'll leave everything else to die. I know that's what he would do. Yeah, he ain't got no heart. Um, Not at all. Well, that is going to do it for hit points this week, Pablo. Uh, now, before we keep going, listen. If you made it this far and you like what you've been hearing from us, uh, consider subscribing to our podcast right now. Uh, you know, we're, we're right where you're listening to us, uh, so you can do it right from where you are now. Or you know, hey, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google. Uh, pretty much any other streaming streaming service or streaming service, whatever the fuck that was, uh, <laughs> that you go to. Uh, we, we've been botching a lot of things this episode. You said the uh, the the nail in the final coffin. I'm over here messing up words. I, I don't know what's going on with us, man. It's late, uh, <laughs> but we showed up, and hopefully you've been enjoying uh, all that and Tupac uh, as well. So uh, yeah, give us a follow. It goes a long way, and uh, what also helps us is if you leave us a nice review uh, from wherever you followed us from. It only takes a few seconds to punch in a rating score of one to five in most places, and um, that actually pushes up our podcast further um uh, in search results and stuff like that and uh as a small time show like ours you know we're two busy dads we just like to do this for fun we're not trying to paywall anything that that really does help us go a long way so if you're interested in doing that it won't cost you a thing and it will uh, mean the world to us so um with that being said um let's go ahead and jump into the main event of the show shall we uh we call that the checkpoint chats let's get started <laughs> It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right, so as is customary for cooldown time, at the end of every quarter of the year, we uh, we do a review cast, and uh, it is time for us to delve into uh, Q3, which was uh, a pretty big quarter in gaming. A lot of very important games came out. A lot of very intriguing ones came out, and a lot of booty-ass ones came out too, Pablo. <laughs> so, um, you know, we've taken the time to kind of... Uh, run through all the games that we've checked out uh, in Q3, uh, and we're going to go ahead and kind of give you our, uh, our our rating on it. And we use our own proprietary rating system uh, called the Time Scale. And basically, what that is is it's just a reflection of our personal experience with the game. It's not an official review. It's not a numerical score. Uh, we'll save that for the website or things like that. These is more just like a, what kind of experience was it? Was it a terrible time? Was it a rough time? Was it an okay time? A good time? A great time? Timeless. Everything has time in it. Cooldown time is the name of the show. You got <laughs> it. Ah. So um, we'll get into more detail about what so those creative. ratings... I uh, know we are. We're fantastic. We'll, we'll get into more detail about what those ratings actually mean in a second. But um, Pablo, another thing that we've done uh, this year is we did a lot of open critic predictions for all the big releases. Uh, so every quarter we've been updating our listeners on who's been winning our open critic prediction fight. And uh, we do have an update 
and Pablo, go ahead and walk us through that and give the people a, a brief little reminder of what our score system is, if you don't mind, too. Yeah, so basically, uh, the way we decided to do this is one point for being the closest. Uh, at the show at the beginning of the year where we kind of predict all these uh, open critic uh, scores and we get the point who was the closest to that. Yep. And then we get two points for a perfect prediction, which it's actually happened more uh, a lot uh, uh, this, this this quarter. So yeah. uh, so right now, I am in the lead with 16 points. Uh, Starfield, Baldur's Gate 3, Armor Core 6, Exo Primal, and Pikmin 4 were, uh, were the ones that I won. Uh, and Marco has a total of 13 points, and he's Ooh. won. <laughs> and we, I mean, you know, with the two point, the one point, this this can go either way by the end of that's the year. True, that's true. That's um, true. Uh, Marco's won the Expanse Master Detective Archives Rank Code, which he got a perfect score on, and Payday Three. So Marco is uh, got those uh, this quarter. So we're it, 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 16 to 13. That's super close. Uh, yeah. So it's it's going to be a kind of fight there to the end. So I'm excited to see how that ends up. If I is can there, take it two years in a row, baby. Ah, uh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> Listen, is there any one of the games that you predicted right that you didn't think that you were going to win? Uh, Star. Um. Well. Uh, Starfield. I thought I was gonna. I thought it was gonna go a little higher. Mm, that's yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, it didn't. So I I kind of I took the under there because I felt like. Uh, I felt like I would have gone there. And at Baldur's Gate 3, I mean, I, I won that kind of by default because I was just slightly uh, higher than you on that. But, I mean, uh, at a 96, I mean, that's crazy. I, I, I Nobody could have no predicted one could have, that. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. crazy. But those are, my, those are the ones that I, I, I'm definitely uh, kind of shocked that I won just based on the fact that, you know, I had different expectations going into it, but I kind of played the game a little bit in terms of how I thought people were going to review those. Yeah. How um, about you? No, I think uh, I'm. I, I kind of feel like all of mine were to be expected. Uh, you know, I've, obviously I wanted to win some of the ones you won, but um, I, th- I guess I guess the Expanse is the one I was most surprised because of how close I was to actuality. In that, like it, it's an okay return for Telltale, not a yeah. great one, uh, yeah. and I kind of predicted as such. I, I if, if there was one I wanted to lose, it would probably be that one. Uh, well, just 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 because of how much I was, you know, how much I had riding on it, I guess. Yeah, I felt the same way about Master Detective Archive, Archives Raincode. Those games by that studio, uh, Chumsoft, mm-hmm. always get reviewed really well. And that one was a little bit of a disappointment. And I, yeah. um, you know, I was a little shocked by that. So and you, you nailed it. You, yeah. you knew it. Well, let's go ahead and talk about uh, let's talk about some reviews, man. And um, let's let's circle back to that to that review scale that we talked about here. Uh, and we call it, of course, as I mentioned earlier, the time scale. And basically, this is us just kind of categorizing our personal experience with the game. Again, not an official review with an official score, just a reflection of our uh, of our enjoyment level with these games. And uh, the breakdown of our scale is as follows: we have terrible time, which is uh, the worst rating that we have. Which which are games that have irredeemably awful issues and terrible design choices. Uh, Coming up one notch from that is a rough time, and those are games with glaring issues, but they provide occasional glimmers of enjoyment. And then up in the middle of the road of our review scale is an okay time. Games with moderate issues that still result in decent, yet mostly ordinary experiences. And then up from there is a good time, which are games with mild issues that are generally, generally, wow, <laughs> I speak <laughs> good, uh, generally enjoyable experiences. Uh, 
up from that one is a great time, which are games that provide excellent, high-quality experiences with few drawbacks. And then we have our very lucrative and very rarely uh, doled-out award of Timeless, which are games that are masterful triumphs of their genre and or gaming as a whole. So all the games that we're going to be talking about today are going to be designated into each of those categories. And we're going to start from the bottom of the barrel. Terrible time. And Pablo, we actually both have the same game in this space, uh, and that is Atlas Fallen. Pablo, talk about this game real quick. What do you think about it? Yeah, from the jump, I thought that the game felt generic, looked generic, and I think that in terms of what it was trying to do, it just didn't execute in any of those things in any significant way. I, you know, I, I guess if I could say one positive thing, it didn't feel terrible. The combat didn't feel terrible, but everything else just was kind of like. It was posing, trying to be something that it wasn't, and ultimately for me, it was just a game that I really had, I really just didn't care for this game at all. I thought it just was was a terrible, terrible time for me. Yeah. Just rice, rice cake bland. It yeah. was just, it's just the worst of the worst. It was, it, it it's not that the game was like a, a buggy mess or that it crashed or anything like that. It's just that the concept was so irredeemably uninteresting and bland that it was like, there's no, there's no excitement this is mustering at all to play it. Um, and the things that it did, it, it was mostly copying from other games. So it just felt painfully derivative in that way where it's like, this is, this is the, this is the old bargain bin adage, uh, kind oh, of yeah. returned for, for this game. So yeah, uh, really a, a kind of a terrible game that I think just hard to understand why it even existed. And I hate saying that cause I don't want to like shame the developers who made it, but at the same time, like, I don't know what they were hoping to achieve with a game like this. I really yeah, don't. Yeah. Um, but moving on to the next tier of our scale are games that we consider a rough time. Um, so not quite terrible, but still very flawed. Uh, and you have one on your list. Why don't you go ahead and kick it off uh, first? Yeah, uh, mine is mostly due to some technical issues here. That's Remnant 2. Remnant 2 is a game that's being praised by a lot of people. And I understand why. It's just that, unfortunately for me, I ran into two bugs where I lost my 10-hour save twice. Uh, and uh, and then also the gameplay and all that stuff is good. It's just it got to a point, especially ten hours in, where I felt like you know with the general procedures, uh, general uh, the general how, how you call that uh, the procedurally generated. Yeah, sorry, the procedurally generated general procedures. Jesus, the uh, procedurally generated <laughs> the areas. standard operating procedure of this uh, game is yeah. The the procedurally generated areas just felt. You know, it just fell into that whole thing where it just, it just like blocks of areas put together. Uh, and yeah, they're different biodomes that, that, that looked a little different, but ultimately that didn't have a lot going for it in that end. And then running into those, those two saving, save issues were just kind of like it's unexcusable. And it was just, you know, that's why it's under my yeah. rough time. Losing your progress is, uh, pretty irredeemable at a certain point and it's a you know it's a well-received game but i think you know things like that i would feel the same way as you if i was going through that um ironically you know a game that i have in my rough time designation is a game that is also very well received that's venba uh it's an indie game where it's like a uh you know cooking game uh featuring a a middle eastern family uh that relocates you know to kind of start a new life and, and blah 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 um i i i understand why people like it um, I can see why it can maybe garner some emotion from people um, in, in relatability in some ways, but I found the cooking gameplay to be um, mostly frustrating for me. 
Uh, I don't necessarily like the way it felt. It felt like it was very confusing, and I just didn't enjoy the process of putting a dish together. Uh, and I thought the story elements, particularly the time jumping um, that occurs throughout the game, which is a very short game, mind you, um, just left a lot of important details out uh, and left things up for interpretation, but not in a way that I found enjoyable. Uh, and I found some of the moments that were supposed to be emotional, uh, particularly between the the boy and his mother, uh, to be not quite what it was for others in, in terms of, I found some of the communication breakdowns to be kind of laughable, whereas other people kind of took it in, 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 in a more emotional fashion. And that's just me, you know, that's just my interpretation of the story. Um, I just didn't resonate with it at all. And um, I thought that, you know, even though the story wasn't offensively bad, I think the gameplay for me, the cooking stuff, kind of was. That's why I had to put it in rough. But uh, I see why people like it, though. So I don't. It's not one of those games I'm gonna like pound the pavement about. Like right. everyone should hate this, like me. It's not like that at all. Um, but nevertheless, um, let's move on uh, to the mid tier of our rating scale, Pablo, which is okay time. And we have quite a few games on our list. Why don't you go ahead and walk us through yours here? And we'll kind of we'll kind of talk in between them. Yeah, uh, Stray Gods, a role-play musical. Uh, I've always said, man, this should be a, a, a musical video game. And I think that this is a really cool first attempt at it. I, a lot of it works for me really well. It's just that uh, towards the, the middle part of the game itself, it just feels a little reductive and, and the story isn't that interesting. And then there's a lot of, of a lot of things that the, the, the story kind of presents to you that just feel a lot like filler. And the music and the singing all is done really well, but there are certain aspects because of the way you put the music together and you put the songs together based on uh choices that you make you know like uh conversational choices they don't always flow together to be great and at times there's some cringe worthy musical numbers that happen based on choices that you know uh, they're it's pretty unfortunate uh but uh other than that i i i stand by that i think there should be more musical like straight up musical games i i, I enjoy musicals uh, uh films and uh it's cool to see that kind of translate over to video games uh uh, and I just, you know, I, I just hope they do a better job as time goes on. But I feel like this is a great first step into that in Stray Gods. Nice. Um, and then I have Alien Dark Descent. Admittedly, this is a game that I started really hot on. Uh, I, I have to admit here that I didn't play it much more than I originally intended. It's just one of those things where the game got really, really difficult to a certain point where it was frustratingly difficult. Mm. I know that a lot of people, uh, they say to push through that, that the game's really rewarding in that way. But, you know, there are certain games that I can definitely get behind in terms of difficulty. But this just wasn't the kind of game that I was enjoying playing mechanically for me to enjoy the difficulty spikes in in, in in it so to the point where i had to kind of put it down because it just wasn't really uh fun for me okay yeah i mean I, I i've always been interested in in the alien franchise because it's you would think that we have we'd have way better games from that ip by now but really yeah. we really only had a select few um sounds like this game was was cool just yeah. maybe not enough to kind of like really grab you but that's yeah. understandable it seems like it was kind of that mid-tier kind of game anyway it's very niche as well it's very yeah niche. that's true that's true yeah. that's true yeah. so uh, and then the expanded to Telltale series, I uh I'm looking forward to this game very much so uh, and uh, I like the expansive TV show uh, and I like a lot of what this game does it's just that the, the middle part of the game and towards the end just really fall apart for me in ways that it just doesn't really feel like the true Telltale experience for me and if you're playing a Telltale series game and it doesn't feel like a 
Telltale series game, it, 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 it's a little, it leaves a lot to be desired. It almost feels like a a, a, a development studio tried to emulate a Telltale game. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's probably some of the best looking things that Telltale's done in terms of like the performance, probably some of the best they've done. Uh, but ultimately, as a whole package, this should have been awesome. This is right I, for, yeah. for this kind of thing, yeah. and it just and it just wasn't awesome, and, and so it falls under my okay category. Mm-hmm. Master Detective Archives Raincode. Uh, mm. Huge fan of these games. Uh, I love visual novels. Probably among my favorite of the genre. Uh, my favorite genre. But uh, unfortunately, Master Detective Archives, like a lot like The Expanse, it just fails to be awesome. It's not as great <laughs> as I want it to be. Uh, I ha- I hold these games in high regard. I have. Really I'm still intrigued about this game, though. I, I still want. I think play you it. should try it. I think you should. I think it's definitely it's serviceable in terms of of of, of what the game is. I might game it's just, play. Yeah, it's just for me towards towards the end of the game, towards the latter part of the game. I just lost a lot of interest in, in everything. I think that they 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 front load a lot of interesting things, and then mm-hmm. after that, it just kind of like it gets lost in its own stupidity for a long time and its own horniness for even longer. Hey. Uh, and uh, I think that ultimately, as a as a whole package, I think that this is probably like Chumsoft's like one of their not the worst because to call it worst means it's bad. It's just it's not as interesting as its their other projects. Uh, and speaking of a studio, I guess there's a there's a, a theme to my OK games. Is speaking mm-hmm. of a studio here that makes excellent fucking games from software. Armor Core Six Fires Rubicon started red hot on this. I thought this was going to be the next kind of uh from software game that i really uh sunk my teeth into it uh i just i i I honestly don't like this game i think uh it's okay because of of the mechanics and the shooting and all that i think that that it's it it plays really well but ultimately for me uh being from where who it's from and what it delivers i think that it's very 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 mid and um from from like the middle bosses on, I just it just lost interest. You have to keep me engaged in order for to, to frustrate me. If you're gonna frustrate me with your difficulty, you got to keep me engaged. And I think too much of this the game did a lot in terms of like its mechanics that just didn't feel as good as what From Software does with their other games. But that wraps up my okay time list there. That's yeah, a pretty good list. We have a few common denominators, so I'll uh, pitch in with mine, and I'll actually piggyback off of the last game you talked about. Um, Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that um, the thing about Armored Core 6 is that it's it's a very well-made mech game that I think is surprisingly approachable for a lot of people uh, like me who are not particularly big on um, that kind of genre or style of a game. However, I think the biggest issue with that game is that it has a lot of very old school PS2 era trappings that I think some people might romanticize a little too much as being like, oh, well, I don't mind that. I like those th- that era of game. You, you think you do until you play some of these missions and you feel like you're not really doing anything that feels meaningful or exciting. Um, it can be a very drab game at times. And I think that even though I enjoyed the mechanics of the game and I didn't even mind the difficulty all that much... The problem with the game to me particularly was the mission structure, um, which I've just found to be completely uninspired uh, and, and honestly a huge letdown, especially to, to dig this franchise out of the grave and then do so little with it creatively with uh, its, its, you know, its moment-to-moment action. Uh, I just expected more. So yeah, I have it as an okay time as well. Um, I also have The Expanse, a Telltale series here 
uh, for similar reasons as you. I thought this had a lot of potential to be a great return to form. Uh, and as a fan of the Expanse TV series uh, as well, um, you know, the, the nerd in me was excited as hell. And, you know, I, I won't lie and say that I didn't get, you know, some bursts of enjoyment. I certainly did. I just think that the game ultimately succumbed to its formula. Uh, a little too closely on the gameplay side with the deer elect ship thing that you're constantly scavenging around for uh, items and whatnot. And I think the story just didn't spend enough quality time with the the cast of characters to really, um, you know, create a lot of impact and meaning to some of the moments that happen later in the game. Uh, so yeah, okay time. Not a game that I necessarily regret buying, but maybe not at full price, uh, even right. though it's not even a full price game. I still feel like I should have waited a little bit. Um, Exo Primal I have here as an okay time. Um, this one kind of teetered. There was times when I was really into it and it was probably a, more of a good time kind of game, but ultimately, uh, I bounced it back to okay time because I just don't know if this type of live service game is really going to have a lot of legs with me. Uh, I've already bounced off of it. I think I, I squeezed as much juice out of it as I could. And, um, I like the concept, even, even though it's, wacky and silly and ridiculous i think it was still fun to play but uh i just i guess i just needed more depth uh and and, and more intricate meta to kind of wrap my head around and it doesn't really give you enough of that to at least for me want to stick around and keep playing uh, more and more of but still a fun time uh just not one that i would consider a good one um mortal kombat one i have as an okay time um i think the mechanics are are, are really solid uh the presentation is great I think that ultimately uh, the franchise to me just has an identity crisis uh, in terms of its narrative and its overall theme and style, uh, which is something a lot of, you know, fans don't talk about necessarily. People just kind of talk about how how good the fighting feels. And I get that because that's the bread and butter. But I'm more of a Mortal Kombat lore guy. And I think that it let me down in some pretty notable ways uh despite having a strong start uh to the story mode so um not a game i regret playing but um definitely not a a highlight kind of game for me in this quarter um and then uh last but not least i have cyberpunk 2077 phantom liberty here um you know this could have been a great time it could have been a good time but it's an okay time because i think ultimately the gameplay and the technical performance issues that we talked about at the top of the show uh, really just kind of butted in too much in my experience and left me feeling very, um, you know, just very clunky inside about the about the game I was playing. You know, there, there, there's, there's such a thing as a game that has too many issues to the point where you don't trust the game anymore. You don't trust the game is going to play well. You don't trust that that cutscene was supposed to look like that because you're always seeing some weird, wacky thing happen. And, um, you know, there was a stretch during playing Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty where, I mean, five or six consecutive things happened that were bugs and glitches, you know, during every <laughs> during every phase of, of, of missions I was doing. Um, you know, from combat to getting on my motorcycle and driving off, and then my head was looking to the left the entire time, and then oh this yeah, that happened little to me too. little annoying things like that they they stack up, and I think that it was just disappointing to see that after three years, um, you still have to fight through that to get to the good parts of the game. So that's what I have is uh, my okay time uh, designation. Uh, Pablo, are you good to jump in with your good time? Games? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So right. my good times I have here. To, to, to my surprise, Immortals of Avium. I really? 
really think that this game is really a fun shooter. Uh, obviously, it doesn't try to kind of revamp or, or reimagine its genre. Uh, it does different things. Obviously, you, there's no guns, but you know, for all intents and purposes, you're using finger guns, and it really feels like just like a natural <laughs> shooter. And I like the story. I, I like the characters. I think that the the story again is silly and and kind of it's like it works for what they're trying to do. I, I think there's a, a, amalgamations of a lot of different kind of. Um, you know things here in terms of the story there's a lot of uh it's a lot of like old-timey stuff but a lot of newer kind of things there's a lot of like space saga stuff going on even though it's you know not in space but there's a lot of that stuff going on but it works in ways that i really wasn't expecting it i mean because i had such low expectations for the game itself coming into it and it being actually pretty decent that that kind of you know bolstered how i felt about the game but i, I honestly think for a, a sell price later on down the road if it ever comes to game pass i think it's a must try i really think that most people uh, have already forgotten about this game, and you know, I don't think that's. I don't think that's. I think that's fine because it's again, it's not incredible. It's, it, it, but for me, it was it was a really fun and good time that I had with, with the time that I played it. I really enjoyed it. So uh, that that's uh, that's Immortals of Avium, and then Baldur's Gate Three. I mean, Uh-oh, look, I ha- wait a I, minute. Good time, not not timeless, not greatest game of all time. I mean, what happened? It, I mean, I'm not I'm not done by any stretch. Of playing, I know, I know. I'm just, uh, I'm just Baldur's Gate, uh, but I as it stands today, you know, uh, October or whatever it is when uh with October 2nd uh this Monday I have to say uh I um I, I I really like it I think it does a lot of really good things I think it's it's quality I think a lot of the relationships and I talked about it last week as well the relationships in the characters and, and the NPCs and all that that they're doing is working on the next level uh it's just you know, the combat stuff is is still a little bit getting used to there's a lot of stuff that doesn't really isn't really clicking for me yet uh I'm still gonna give it a real good go at it but as it stands right now if I you know in terms of the time that I had with it I can't say anything less than a good time uh, and I can't say anything more than a good time at least not right now that's fair uh, yeah and then uh, last but not least here Cyberpunk 2077 uh, Phantom Liberty is still playing through it as, as I played through it as I talked about it on top of the show but uh, so far I, I think that it started hot like I said then it kind of dulled down, uh, died down but where I'm at right now with the story and the side missions the Mr. Uh, Mr. Hand stuff I am really having a good time with it I think it's a really good experience uh, I definitely expected this to be categorically, categorically in my good, great time, uh, even timeless, even you know, uh, because of, of of the pedigree of CDPR. But uh, it is what it is at that point, and I can only judge it for what they've given me. And I think this is a good game. I think it's really good, and I am having so far a good time with it. That's my good times. All right. Well, my good times. Uh, so I have three games here. Uh, I have Liza P. Uh, and it's knocking on the door of, of great time, but for now I got to keep it at a good time, uh, just because I think that my biggest hangups are the hangups that you would expect. You know, it, it, the difficulty can be attractive one day and frustrating the next. Sometimes, even though I've I haven't really like I haven't been on the struggle bus that bad. Um, my motivation to play a difficult game can waver depending on how I'm doing on a certain day. So it's not a game that I can just. I can I can know life because I just I need a break from it you know in in that way but from what I played you know and I don't want to be too repetitive from what I said at the top of the show I think this is to me uh, a game that that suns most of Front Software's uh, Souls games in my personal opinion uh, I, I respect the pedigree I respect the Dark Souls trilogy I respect Bloodborne I've played those games uh, you know at varying lengths and with varying uh, degrees of success 
Um, I think that Lies of P to me is is um, with some flaws. It is to me mostly a refinement of everything that ever frustrated me about those formulas from those games, um, while introducing uh, a, a new lore and storyline that I find infinitely more interesting than I've seen in any other game of this uh, style ever. Uh, yeah. Which, considering that this is fucking Pinocchio, that is quite an accomplishment. So uh, if we ever have an award for how did they pull off a story like that, uh, I think this would be a contender. Uh, well, we have but a, we have an award for a uh, big surprise. We do. And that will be on the list, no mm-hmm. doubt. Um, also on my list of good times... Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, the spiritual successor to Jet Set Radio, uh, which came out uh, not too long ago. And, uh, you know, I I regret not spending enough time with it at the moment, um, but I have really, really enjoyed a lot of what this game brings to the table because of how faithful of a spiritual successor it is to the original content. Um, It does retain some of the warts of the the old games, uh, sometimes intentionally, sometimes like, hey, why didn't you update that and make that better <laughs> particularly with like the the melee combat there is combat in this game and it is a little bit floaty and kind of like eh, not great so i'm hoping they patch it that's probably the only reason why it's in the good category not the great category otherwise i think this has been a blast to play uh it's given me so many throwback nostalgic moments and the soundtrack is incredibly good uh and and that's a big part of what makes jet set radio uh, back in the day so great so uh, a very very faithful and true to form spiritual successor that I think any fan of those games from yesteryear on the Dreamcast or OG Xbox should play. And then last but not least, Resident Evil 4, Separate Ways. I think this is so far, out of all the expansion content I've played between this, Cyberpunk, uh, Horizons, uh, Forbidden Shores uh, DLC, this is probably my favorite of the bunch. Um, I think this was just a very, very tight, well-made DLC experience that's easy on the wallet, Gives you a lot of bang for your buck. Um, feels good to play. Offers some new things that that spice things up compared to the Leon Kennedy campaign. Uh, gives you a lot of good Resident Evil lore when it comes to Ada and Wesker and her motivations, his motivations, and stuff like that. And actually sets up the you know what will be uh, I think the next game they remake, which is RE Five. So uh, I think it's a must play if you like it. Uh, if you like Resident Evil, Resident Evil in general, and especially if you like the RE Four remake, this is a, a must play and a good time that I think you won't regret. But uh, that's what I have for my good time list, Pablo. It is time, though, to move to the games that are a great time. The yeah. excellent, high-quality experiences with few drawbacks. Yeah. What do you got? So, for me, I mean, I, I guess our biggest disagreement on this list would be Venba. Because Venba, mm-hmm. for me, was a great time. I um, I actually like the cooking stuff. I think even towards the end of the game, I think that the cooking mechanic and everything that the game taught you comes together in a really beautiful way. Um, I, I understand what you're saying about the story, about the time jump, time jump stuff. That is my biggest kind of complaint about it. But I think that each section of uh, of that game and in, 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 in a variation of ages from your main character, I think each of those little stories that they tell between those things are very impactful for me are uh, things that I can relate to to a certain extent or at the very least understand them and in terms of where they're coming from uh, there's a there's a part in the game early on I don't know if you got to it where your ha- dad hasn't come home and you yeah, go out looking for him yeah. and that was like I was like terrified like what happened to my dad like you know that kind of thing and then seeing uh, what it was and, and all the reasons behind it I, I, I relate to this game in more ways than one but it's not that it's a one for one 
for my life. Uh, although I, there's like, again, there's things that I can definitely look at and be like, yeah, that's something that I can relate to. But it, I just think that the story is kind of really beautiful. I think that the, 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 the way that they tell the story and, 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 and particularly the, the, the ending and, and, and kind of like how things come all, all the way around and, and, and really end in a very strong note. I, I think Vembo is beautifully written and it's one of my favorite games of the year for sure. Um, then Oxen Free 2 Lost Signals, man. What a fucking game. Love that mm. game to pieces. I think that's one of it's it 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 it's hard because you look at Oxen Free and you're like, man, can Oxen Free 2, that was my question, can it be better? And I think it is. I think I've 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 thought about this and I think that Oxen Free 2 is is better than 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 the first one. But a lot of the, the story elements, a lot of there's the moments that that happen in that game and the ending of that game. I, I it's it's just so well done and, and, and so well told. It's an experience that I think everybody should should definitely uh you know experience for sure. Uh and then let's go to Starfield. Obviously, we talked incessantly about this game throughout the, the last couple of weeks. Starfield is 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 definitely, you know, was fighting for timeless for me. Uh, I think we'll see whether or not that ends there eventually. But for right now, in terms of how I feel about Starfield, I think it is an absolute quintessential great time. It's a game that I often even still think about now, and just kind of the moments that happen. I I, I think that the, the 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 faction story stuff is some of the best that I've I've ever played in a game in terms of side content and i just i just love being in that world i love those characters and i think that the ending is 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 fantastic it's some of the best storytelling that uh Bethesda has done in in their games you know a lot of the times the main story is the afterthought in this case i think the main story is very much a thing that they they they've they worked on and really wanted to make special because of what it means for the end of the game and how that leads into into new game plus i think that they've baked in the timeless formula into this game uh for sure and i love starfield i love i think it's an improvement in every simple in every way uh and i and i can't wait for more starfield uh in the next uh, what 25 years when we get starfield to <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then to round it up obviously lies of p another game that i i I don't care. I, I think this is fronting with timeless. I, I really, <laughs> why, why did you I don't with care. I don't care. I, I don't care. <laughs> Because you know it's it's from from the community of the from software peeps and and, and the okay, souls like okay. I think talking about Lies of P as that one of the hilarious. great games is is kind of like sacrilegious, but it is it it is one of the the best experience from softwares in a long time, and I loved I loved it. We talked about it last week and this week, and there's not much to say right now, but other than Lies of P is excellent, uh, and I and I can't wait to to jump in, and I'm and I'm thinking about doing some new game plus on it for sure. Do you care though? Well, I don't actually. Okay, just checking. All right, verifying that. Uh, noted. I actually have uh, two of the same games that you had on your list, uh, and I'll start with Oxenfree Two: Lost Signals. Um, look, Oxenfree One is in my top twenty-five ever. Uh, I think it's such a brilliant story. The premise is interesting. It's eerie. It's cool. Um, it's, it's, it's a very natural kind of dialogue with all the characters. And, uh, it, it was a tough fact to follow coming into this. And especially when you wonder if like night school studios is still the same after yep. being acquired by Netflix, what can we expect? Do they still got the juice like that? It's been a long time since the first game. And it wasn't like, you know, the first game was like a, a huge phenomenon in the gaming industry. It's a very niche game. So for them to come out with a sequel and for it to be as, as genius as it is, um, 
you know, there was a time where I, I couldn't decide which game I liked better. I think I think I still skew more towards the first game at this point, but I mean, it's a very close margin because of how much Oxenfree Two does well from a storytelling standpoint. Um, it's a much more focused story with a different kind of um, pace and delivery. Um, you know, compared to the first game. And I think it benefits from that in a huge way where it doesn't feel uh, like a redundant sequel. Uh, it feels like it, it belongs. It feels like it fits in. Um, and I, I love it for it. Um, great, great art style, great voice acting, great characters, and a great finale that I thought really made me smile more than most games to have uh, accomplished for me this year. So yeah, I had to consider it a great time as well, for sure. And then uh, I also have Starfield as a great time. I got to put an asterisk on it because I think I've been battling whether to make it timeless or not. Um, I can go either way. I think right now I'll say great time and I'll kind of reflect on it further uh, as we get towards the end of the year um, because it makes a case in both ways. I, I, I do think the game has flaws. I do think the game has issues. And I think we, <laughs> there's no shortage of people on the internet trying to tell everyone how flawed this game is. Um, but I, I don't think there's enough people pounding the pavement about how great it is too. Um, you know, what it manages to achieve despite some warts here and there and some datedness here and there, uh, is something that's truly remarkable. And it gave me an experience that I've always wanted to get from a Bethesda RPG that I'd never quite got. Um, I, I like Elder Scrolls. I've never loved it. I like Fallout, never loved it. Um, so for me, I think the fact that they created... A sci-fi RPG uh, that is already up my alley, as it is. And then on top of that, it's a great one uh, with a, a very fascinating story, a very clever New Game Plus mechanic that they did that I think is brilliant, that will give it a lot of replay value. I think things like that, to me, are just beyond impressive. And, and that's why I had to give it uh, a, a great time rating. So... A lot in common, not so much uh, everything, but you know we shared a lot of things in common. But hopefully, what all of you listeners uh, share in common is that you enjoyed that segment and this episode overall. Uh, and what that that is going to do it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, on, on behalf of Pablo, uh, you know, we we hope that our review casts are, are int- interesting to you. Maybe we put you on game with some things you might want to try. Maybe we helped you to avoid some things you might not want. But uh, either way, hope you had fun because we sure did. Uh, But that's going to do it for us. So until next time, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Peace out. Make me feel good.